Zaytoven. What's good, everybody? Touchdowns and Tangents, live from the Good News Sports Studio in Hawthorne, California. I'm P.D. Camarillo. Kenneth Frank Jake Barry here, and it's also Lyndale Jason, uh, depending on what side of Rosecrans you're on. Good and, to know, good to know. Manhattan Village, apparently. Good to know, good to know. Well, for those of you who don't know, this is your usual Thursday spot for NFL takes and topical tangents. Um, not per usual, but whatever the next step down is from usual, um, occasional, per occasional, we're late. Uh, we're not late every time, just like, we're, we're here when just we like need two to, quarters of a we're time. We're here when we need to be. Just like two quarters of the time we're late. Like, even if we're late, it's I mean, like t- perpetually, perpetually would be a step below that. Yeah, or, yeah, like my boss Something like, like that. You're that's why. Work, that's bro. why it's eight ish. Didn't I tell you that you're like, no, it's good if I'm if I'm if I'm. No, like, I'm the one who says eight ish. No, you like eight thirty. No, but I'm saying like to work. We had this talk. And you're like, dog. If I'm under ten minutes, I'm good. No, if I'm and under, I was like, nah, bro. Five, you gotta I'm be. Good. I'm like, nah, bro. If it's like two or three minutes, nah, I'm you good. can't be playing with that. Them 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 jobs won't be playing with that. Nah, my job. There's no there's no grace period there. You there really isn't. But we can leave thirty minutes early because we're usually done at nine thirty, and I don't like. I always stay till ten because I need my, I need my, I need my ends. But speaking of ends, but yeah, man. On that note, we got a real special show this week. We're gonna, we're gonna wrap up tonight with some week four stuff. But before we get to all that, you know, Kenny put in some hard work. Uh, what? Roughly twelve days ago. No, no, no six days ago. It was six last Friday. Ago. It was last Friday. Yeah, so six days ago, he sat down with Connor from... Connor Morissette, Scorebook Live. So why don't you go ahead and talk, talk a little bit about how that all came together, why you decided to have him on, and kind of what your goal of the interview was, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so I reached out to Connor, because I had followed his career, and he was, um, I think it was South Bay, no, not South Bay, but he was at another... Um, company covering high school sports for about almost I think over a year and I used to watch like the, it was channel 35 36 they used to have you know different high school sports on and I'd say I'm like okay that's cool it's good stand-up work like, it's really dope and then also he ended up um once he found out really did you really just play that ringtone you're disgusting continue anyway so yeah, I reached out to him, wanted to talk, because he's covered a bunch of different sports, uh, and then just not just the South Bay, but just high school football in general. Really liked his work, had some interesting stuff to say. Him and Eric Sondheimer, CSUN alum, kind of go back and forth on Twitter and talk about a lot of good stuff. So, yeah, it's definitely like a person you should be following on Twitter, because what he does with Scorebook Live, it's really amazing, really dope. Um because they're phasing out of max preps and they're going to score store um, scorebook live. So essentially, imagine like the ESPN trackers, score trackers, and all that. Uh, that's what high school sports is kind of gonna is going towards. It's just kind of a slow build. But he kind of you know he um, opened up about that, talked about it a little bit more, talked about his roots coming from Syracuse, going through the Syracuse journalism program, coming out to California, covering everything, transfer culture. Uh, private school versus small school. There's a lot of good stuff that he touched on. So, so on that note, to hear it. let's just play the interview. And afterwards, I'll give you my take since this is actually my first time hearing the interview. 
Indeed. So, here we go. Intro, I appreciate it. Syracuse grad, Patriots fan. <laughs> All around well guy does a, did a lot of great work from was it Southern, Southern California. Prep Insider, yep. yeah. I used to watch those. I see the, like the different cut-ins, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> Like, I'm, I'm mainly in the South Bay. Uh-huh. Like, full disclosure, I went to Lionel High. I was on that 2010, 2009 playoff team. Like, we got blown out in the first round. But like, hey, you made it, though. Like, yeah, like, that was the first time we had been to the playoffs since the school had even reopened. And, like, the first time since the 60s when we were going out, Lionel was, like, state titles. Um, I actually interviewed Coach Clark twice. Okay. Okay. Um, with Wilmore and everybody, like, in June of last year, right before the season started, and it's funny because they had smoke for everyone. They're like, we want to play Sarah. They're definitely us. We can't wait to play Narbonne. Like that. And then they come back this year. I interviewed them a couple weeks ago. And, man, it's a lot of fire, a lot of intensity. So I think that they play Sierra Canyon tonight. But I think it's at Sierra Canyon. I got to double check, but. Yeah. So, as far as um, as far as your journey to here and now, um, kind of describe your college years, Syracuse years. Sure. So, started Syracuse in 2013, and I went in as a broadcast major. And I know a lot of people switch, but uh, that's what I wanted, so I stuck with that. And the great thing about Syracuse was, is if you work your way up. You can do play-by-play of the basketball and the football teams. If you put the work in from your freshman year to your sophomore and junior year, you can call those games as a senior. And so even though I'm not really doing play-by-play right now, I put the work in, and uh, it's called a station. Uh, it's called WAER, Syracuse uh, NPR affiliate. And so you kind of work up over there. And then as a senior, I got to call some of those games. So I got to do a buzzer beater for basketball, which was really awesome when Syracuse beat Clemson in my senior year. And a fun football game where Syracuse played Florida State, even though they got totally blown out. Uh, There was a Hail Mary pass at the end of the first half, which was cool. So it was nice just to show your hard work paying off. And then some of those guys are play-by-play robots, and they'll go on to do great things. One guy just got hired uh, who was a great below me, actually, to be the radio voice of the Clippers. So I was nowhere near that level, but uh, it's, it's crazy just being in that environment. There are a lot of really talented kids, and that was just a great experience for me. Fantastic, fantastic. I saw that. At CSUN, like, they have all the different that, – that's, like, a common thing because Pete and I both with CSUN, uh-huh. journalism majors, and we constantly talk about, like, the state of journalism – and just the different, like the different emphases people go into, yeah. and a lot of them end up going into PR after they graduate. A lot of people get pushed out. A lot of people stay, whatever. So that's really dope because I always hear Syracuse is like one of the best programs in the country. Like all the different stuff that they do. So that's dope. That's fantastic. And as far as um, Southern Cal Prep Insider. When you were, were you just looking to come to California, or was that just what kind of came up? So, yeah, I get that question a lot. My boss at Southern California Prep Insider, he's a guy named Christian Pedersen, and former boss, because now I'm in Scorpio Clive, but he was a grad student in Syracuse. And when I graduated, he had graduated the year before, but he reached out to one of the professors at Syracuse and said, hey, I'm looking to fill this job. Um, can you let some students know? And so the professor sent out a, you know, email blast said, hey, if you're 
set to graduate soon and you're looking for work, uh, here's an opportunity. And so I was like, well, you know, I'll do anything. <laughs> I'm just kind of looking for an opportunity. Because um, at that point, I kind of realized, I thought in college I wanted to be a play-by-play broadcaster, but then I realized I didn't really want to go to Nebraska and do the minor league baseball grind that a lot of the people do. And I don't want to say, um, like, I couldn't have gotten better, but I wasn't really as talented as some of the kids around me who I knew were going to go on and do these great play-by-play things. I really just wanted it a little bit more. I kind of like being a, a multifaceted journalist in the sense where, you know, you need me to go take some pictures, I can do that. You need me to be behind the camera, I can do that. You need me to be in front of the camera, I can do that. And so that job really appealed to me in the sense that I was doing a lot of different things, not just kind of one cut-and-dry uh, thing. And so... I ended up getting that, and I moved out in August of 2017 and started uh, the first year. I was just doing city section stuff, so a lot of Narbonne, obviously, but, you know, other teams from, from your neck of the woods, San Pedro and, and uh, Carson is down there, too. So just kind of L.A. City, I was that guy for the first year, just doing a lot of multimedia work. And then from there, my second year, I expanded into the southern section, and now I'm doing kind of the same thing for a new company called Scorebook Live, and... Uh, it's a, it's sometimes I think what would have happened if I you know, didn't take this job. It kind of just came out on a whim. But uh, so far, it's, it's all really worked out nicely for me. I'm happy. Great. Fantastic. So as far as, <clears throat> as, far as uh, the new job, and I know, like, for those high school coaches, they're making people switch from Mac to Yeah, which is a big issue right now. Like, I, I know some high schools, they barely have their Mac yeah. draft. In high school, my coach barely put his Mac, the Mac draft stuff up, and now it switches to Scorebook Live. Mm-hmm. How is that kind of different and even kind of better in terms of um, everything that you can do with it compared to Mac draft? Sure. So the CIF signed the deal with Scorebook Live uh, back in May to be the official digital partner to replace Max Preps. And so now as the season's starting, we're seeing, you know, that sounds good. They're going to replace them. It's going to be easy. And, you know, I say, yeah, it's me. I'm part of that company. It's a tough transition in the sense that you're right. People are just now getting used to Max Preps, and now they're going to be asked to do something different. And so... You know, we're new in the area, too, and we're having a few small issues so far with just coaches understanding the product and being able to put stuff in. So anytime coaches and admins are asked to change, it's a little tough, and so we're seeing that kind of play out a little bit. But what's great about Scorebook Live, we're going to, once we get all up and running and everything's great, which will take a little bit of time as the transition really continues, but once that happens... Our big thing is, well, the, everything will be the same as Max Preps. You'll get the standings, the divisions, the, the rosters, the stats. So all that should be the same if the coaches and the administrators input the stuff. But the selling point that the CIF really loved about Scorebook Live was that, you know how you go to a basketball game and there's a scorer who has the pen and the paper and, you know, rebounds, assists, everything. Our vision, and it's worked a little bit already up in Washington, and we know this could take a little while, but our vision is that, Instead of that pen and paper, you have to score on an iPad, just live scoring, and that way anyone can follow along in real time with our app and online. Once the game's over, there's no stat input because, boom, it's there on the tablet. The second the game's over, the stats are already in there. So you don't have to do something twice. And so I think what the CIF really liked about us was, A, we were willing to pay the money that Max Preps was to partner with them, but B, it's kind of new agey in the sense that we're more of a tech company than, than a media slash 
statistic company that, that Max Preps was, and the CIF really loved that. So they're aware that there are going to be some bumps along the road, and, and so are we. And we're really working hard to make sure it's a smooth transition. Uh, and I don't know if you saw Eric Sondheimer's tweets. That he, yeah. <laughs> he hasn't really been a fan of games. He's a great follower. Yeah. <laughs> he is. He, he sets the tone for, for high school sports in Southern California. So he hasn't big, been a big fan of ours so far, but we're hoping to really work. And, and once time goes on, that's going to be our biggest friend, time. And, and people acclimate. Uh, it'll get a lot better. That's the hope. And that's what we believe is going to happen. Oh, I, I know like a lot of athletes say you huddle. Yeah. So I feel like Max Preps has been around for a long time. Uh-huh. And they're not going anywhere either. Yeah. It's not like Scorpio Glides here, Max Preps is gone. Max Preps will still be there. Coaches yeah. can put their stuff in there too. Yeah, so I, do you feel like it'll just be kind of, like you said, kind of the tech aspect, it'll just be quicker and faster, more like more fast-paced. Kind of almost like when you look at like the ESPN live sports games, I can follow it right there. Exactly. You don't need the recap necessarily. That's exactly what we're going for. And we'll have our own computer, little generated recaps that'll say, you know, it's the computer writing them, but if there's quarterback at this great game, they'll say, for example, as I said, Alameen last week, Bishop Alameen, quarterback, Miller Moss threw, fill in the blank, five touchdowns, completed this many passes, this many yards, and there's like a write-up there. And and so we're, we're kind of thinking ahead, but right now we need to catch up to – you know, we, we need the baseline. Yeah. We, we have some big, lofty goals, and I think eventually we will get there. And uh, but, but for right now, it's important just to set the baseline, make sure the rosters look good, that the tech stuff is in order. Everything that, that people in the city section, the southern section, offices want is on there, and it all looks good. And then one other thing with the company, that's not even really where I work for them predominantly. I'm on the, the content side, which is great. They've hired two journalists to cover high school sports in Southern California, myself and a guy named Lance Smith, who just graduated from USC. And so I can help answer and point people in the right direction for a lot of the you know, statistical input and all that good stuff. But really, my main job is a journalist for them, which is great. And so I'm going to go out and do a lot of what I was doing before, the, the interviews, the highlights. And I'll be writing a lot more lists, top 25s. Um, and so that's awesome so far. And I think we're doing a great job really introducing ourselves to this market. We tried to write about every high school team in the area, and that took forever. But I think yeah, I read all the previews. Really good. Thank you. And, and it's tough to get everything 100% perfectly right when you, you can't physically go to every school. But I, I thought, you know, for the effort we put in and just – I have a little bit of experience, so it was easier than just being brand new and, you know, some transfers don't really get reported, but you kind of understand when, when kids leave and stuff, so, so that's been helpful, too. Of course, you know, you, you want to be 100% right. It's been difficult, but I think for the most part, we've been really great with those, and now that the season started, it's exciting. Has, like, how's been feedback from, like, parents and student-athletes kind of engaging you guys on social media? Sure, so they love the content, which is great. Most people do, unless you're writing, like, a... A, a bad story about how a coach did something wrong or something. Most people are going to like you because you're promoting their students and their athletes. So on our side, it's been great. If we get a little fact error wrong on a Division 13 Southern section running back, we'll hear about it. But, you know, excuse us. Sorry, we're trying our best here. We just want to try to show that we're going to give love to everyone. So, you know, some people have been a little frustrated with some minor little miscues that we've had, but overall, on the content side, it's been great. But as you see with some of the tweets from uh, Eric Sonner and from just some other people, change is hard. And so on that replacing Max Prep side, the statistics side, the, the technology side, 
it's going to be, I think, a little ways until we really prove to people that, hey, this was worth changing. Because, you know, like anything, you're, you're a seven-year-old kid, your mom says, you're moving from the East Coast to the West Coast, you're going to say, no, I have all my friends here, I don't want to move. It's the same thing. People hate change, and in time, you'll realize it all works out for the best, and uh, that's what we're hoping is going to happen. Fantastic, fantastic. You're a sign hire. CSUN alum, and I think he went to the Hall of Fame? Yeah, he went to the City Section Hall of Fame last spring. Yeah, so it's like that. Already, you want him on your side. <laughs> so far, he hasn't been. A, a guy like that is just—he just—it's really refreshing when you see writers and journalists who cover the sports sometimes willing to shoot back and be like, "Look, this is the scenario." Because he, like, the issues on transfers. We're gonna, we're gonna yeah. get to that because boy, there's a lot. Like when I, I just. When I got their interview on Mondale, they already, Coach Clark was already talking about transfer culture and everything. The first time I interviewed him, he was like, we brought up Narbonne last year, and he's like, they have like 30 transfers. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all these schools have all these transfers, and you can't really get mad at a journalist if like, your kid's paperwork isn't official yet. Yeah. And like, they're trying to figure out where you are. I remember Sarah, like, they had a mass exodus of talent. Three other guys all went to Sarah. Uh, no, three other guys all went to Narbonne from Sarah. Yep. And it's just kind of insane. Like, our, me me going to Lawndale and remembering Hawthorne and Luzinger, there wasn't really a lot of transfers. Like, that didn't, that whole thing didn't exist in 2010. Like, yeah, people still transfer to schools. You heard about it. But at, like, the rate that it's happening now, it's kind of insane. So, as far as how... You kind of handle, like, from what, what have you seen from that aspect of things as far as just the whole landscape? Because the subsection that came out, uh, I think it was last week or a couple weeks ago, pretty much stating that there's going to be no new transfer restrictions or rules this year. Um, so, what have you seen on that front? Well, I kind of am on both sides of the argument a little bit, which is weird to say, but. I think kids, if they want to go to a better team and, and want to win, and that's what they want, you know, what's wrong with that? Why, why does the section need to force people to, to go to school if they don't want to be there? I, I, I believe that because we see Bruce Robinson in Trinity League Media Day. He said, you know, we sell out games to Cerritos College. If there's a kid in high school whose season's over, he's at that game, he sees how great it is. You know, what's wrong with him wanting to say, I want to be the best, I want to join this team? And... The other people will say, well, you know, you need to go to the school that is in your district and you need to show loyalty. And, well, what if that loyalty is just not there? You know, what for some people, that means something. If, you you know, you were raised in this district, you'll go to that school and, and you know, you'll make that school better because it's in your family and that's your prerogative. You know, you want to be at this school and you want to make it great. But for some people, I don't want to say they're selfish, but they're looking more for themselves. How can I... Win. How can I get recruited? And sometimes that's a whole other myth. If you go to a school, you get recruited. But some people believe, you know, if you go to that big school, you will. And we, that's a whole different topic. Um, so I just think, for me, in terms of a fix, everyone's like, oh, what should we need to do? What do, what do we need to do? All this. I think if you transfer, you should just sit two games, and then you can, you're free to go. You can transfer however many times you want. Whatever you got to do. I think if you just sit two games, that'll make the people who say, you know. You need to be this district happy, and, and the 
two games, games it's, it's, it's not five like, like it is right now with the sit-out period. I, I think that would – it's still a punishment, but you're still getting eight games if you stay healthy. And, and this is just football I'm talking about. That's kind of my take. I hope I'm not all over the place with that, and I hope that answers your question. But uh, I understand, and I would be in the camp that, you know, I'm from – Small town Massachusetts, so it's all different. But you know, I knew I was always going to Franklin High, which is where I was from, the public school. And uh, for me, it was like I wanted to, I played soccer. I wanted to be on that soccer team with my friends. Well, some people they'll grow up and they'll get really good, and they'll say, okay, you know, I love my friends. I like this school, but I want to do what's best for me. And you know, someone wants to do that. I I don't think it's really fair to hold them back, which is kind of what we're seeing a little bit right now. So maybe I'm signing on the side of the athletes more in the schools. It sounds like, uh, but I just think, it, why do people? If there's no loyalty to a school to begin with, why do we need to say, oh, you should be loyal? Well, you know, maybe if that's not there to begin with, who who cares? Exactly, because we go to college and the pros, and that whole thing snowballs. Like Clark and his uh, his one of his uh, his running back coach. They're saying, like, yeah, we've seen cats from, you know, come down here from bigger schools or whatever, just different areas, saying, hey, you know, have you thought about our high school? Like, yeah, you can. They had a, they, they have a transfer from um, St. John Bosco, and Coach was like, he lived right around the corner, but he was going to Bosco for, like, two years and he realized, I'm never going to play there. <laughs> and came back. Yes, and that happens, too. And yeah, yeah, like they had like Wilmore. He technically transferred from Sarah, but his situation was different. Like totally, it wasn't like he just transferring it out like that. He built himself up. He became a totally different player. Yeah. Between Sarah, that one his one freshman year, and then you know the next three years, and then um, he kind of Clark brought up. He said something really interesting. He said because I went when I went to Lionel, they had uh, equipment that was kind of subpar, yeah. even when I went there. Fast forward almost 10 years later, they don't even have the ladders anymore. Like They're, they're probably one of the most uh, resource-deficient programs I've, I've ever seen. Like Hawthorne, they were getting brand-new stuff when I was in high school. Losing was getting brand-new stuff. Um, but Hawthorne, they won the state title. They you know have the whole fair through the city and everything. And Clark's like, I'm not really a politician, but I'm going to stand up for my kids. I feel like they're disrespected. They don't get what they deserve they, because of the lack of resources. But you look at the fact that they're winning, and they're not getting a ton of transfers. So it would kind of speak to the fact that, well, some people might say, if you stay where you're at, you can build where you're at. And he also brought, he said, he felt like, um, the South Bay is one of the most, it's probably the hub of talent, like, in high school football. Because, like, you know, you see, like, the modern days, and you think, okay, the Servites, you think, well, those are contenders. Like, they're some of the best that they have to offer. You know, a lot of kids from Carson, though. Yeah. And it's like, if you look at where all the talent's coming from, a lot of it, South Bay, like, out... He, he, went, he played football at the IE, went to Roosevelt. Constantly says, like, oh, you know, IE football is better. I'm like, but it's a different brand. Like, it's just different. So I always wonder, like, is the talent really that calcified in one area? And, like, everyone's just flocking to, like, for name recognition? Or is it really just spread out? 
Well, I, I, think I think there's some pockets where there's a lot of talent, but overall, I think it's pretty spread out. Because you look at the IE, there are some really good kids there. Like from just looking at last season, Jane Daniels from Cajon, and then this year, Lorenzo Cucamonga, quarterback CJ Stroud. There, those teams. If you build an IE All-Star team, a South Bay All-Star team, and then a San Fernando Valley All-Star team, I think that all be pretty competitive. I think that the talent. All over the place. Uh, it's just that's Southern California, and what we see is, and again, me coming from Massachusetts, you just unless you go to a private school, you go to the school in the district where you grew up. But here, it's totally different. You have kids like, for example, Ethan Anderson, who's at USC now playing basketball. He's from Carson, but he went to Fairfax for four years. It's a little bit different in the sense that a lot of kids, even if it's public school, they don't go to the public school that's in their district. And I think that plays into the whole transfer stuff too, because people see that and they, you know, they'll they don't feel that allegiance to their district. It's just in Southern California, I just think it's a totally different ball game. Yeah, and with that, it's weird because Cone, he's um, Daniel, she's starting at Arizona State, now. Yeah. first freshman in school history. Like, Mond- a lot of Londo cats. They went to one blocker, went to Hawaii. Naki went to UNLV. Um, Jordan at Utah. Yeah, yeah Jordan at Utah Gillette. And that game is going to be really crazy, the USC-Utah game. Because they have a lot yep. of, of Southern California kids. So when I think of uh, when you think of just where – because it's – it's, it's weird. weird. Like, yeah, there's a lot of talent here, but that competition gap is decisively huge. Well, that's because for me, it's the two teams and everybody else. And we'll see tonight. Modern Day is going to play Corona Centennial, and Corona Centennial is everyone's number three in Southern California. But they'll probably lose by two touchdowns or more, and they're loaded. But what happens is Modern Day and Bosco, we talk about how there's all this talent all over the place. Those teams are literally pulling from everywhere. Yeah. And kids move, and they get the ballot change of the residents, and I say move in quotations, who really knows what's going on. But they get okay, and they're playing. But, I mean, let's look at modern day. And we could do the same with Bosco, but Bryce Young is from the Pasadena area. Their star receiver, uh, Christian Dixon, this year, he's from the Pasadena area. One of their great linemen transferred in from Sarah, which, uh, so he's a South Bay guy. And those are just three off the top of my head. I'm sure there's one of their running back this year, Marcus Getz, is from Narbonne. Um, when you're able to pull like they are, then it's a different story. And I talked to Rob Weigel, the Southern Section Commissioner, the other day, and he said, if that's the culture you want to promote, then so be it. If everyone follows the transfer rules and that's the culture you want to promote, so be it. Because last year they had two IE kids transfer yeah. and then leave. Yeah, that was, was weird. For yeah, from Cucamonga. And I'm like, technically it is a violation because <laughs> they played and then they went back. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and if you move, you're allowed to play for two teams in one year. If, if Bryce Young moves and, <laughs> and wants to go play for Narbonne for whatever reason this year, that's not going to happen at all. But if he technically moved, it'd be able to play. I was just talking to a Dick Dornan, the, the city section official, the other day, and he filled me in about that. So even the year guys can move. But the difference between modern day and Boston is they pull from everywhere. And I don't want to say they're, they're ruthless about it, but you know their reputations are so great that if you're the best of the best and, and you want to win, you got to join one of those two teams. Win at the highest level, I should say. you got to join one of those two teams. And clearly they're okay with 
bring in people from wherever. So it's kind of, you know, both those boxes are checked where A, we'll bring in anyone and, and B, um, you know, they're going to play. We're not going to go on their own guys. If you can play, you can play. And because they, they want to win national titles and, yeah. and beat each other. It's just, it's, with those two schools, it's a little bit different. Yeah, it's, it's like real Hatfield and McCoy's with them. And it's also weird because there's a bunch, there's, really, like said, there's a ton of other great teams, great coaches. But also, like when I, again, with, with Clark, because he had a lot to say uh-huh. about just – the competition angle, the transfer angle, he's like, he adopted kind of the mentality of our kind of guy, what Chris Peterson does at Washington. Like, we don't want everyone. Yeah. We wish everyone will, but we want our kind of guy. Like, they have Kellestine, uh, Elijah Jackson, both just committed to Washington. Yeah. Like, they're loaded in the secondary. Like, nah, straight back to him. Like, compare your coaching, you know, and how your team is doing because you lost all this legendary talent and you have to come back. And now the perception is you're going to be nowhere near as good. But then they got like five, six, seven guys with D1 offers. Like this year, this time around. And he goes and he talks about He's like, honestly, I feel like if you put, if you took Altenberg, Sarah's coach, Del Negro, um, Rollinson, like if you took all those top coaches and you put them at Lindale, they would struggle to win five games because they don't, have the resources. They wouldn't have the resources and the connections, whereas if you put me in those other schools, I win all the time. You're supposed to win all the time with all those resources. So it's like, I think about it, and I go, okay, if you take, if you just take those two schools out of it, does that process just repeat itself? Is it just like, are we just in like a constant, um, not like a hellscape, but it's a constant, circle of this is going to happen no matter who's at the top or are things kind of starting to free up a little bit so that's a good question and i am not from the area so i would need a bit of a history refresher but eric always mentions how loyola played esperanza in the d1 championship in the, for southern section football i think in like 05 and esperanza that was the last school that was a public school to compete the highest level. So in terms of public versus private, I think even if you got rid of modern day and St. John Bosco, the next private school would take over. I think it's sad, but I mean, maybe that would open the door for Corona Centennial, but I really think that the public school or the private schools, excuse me, the resources just absolutely are, are so greater than what the public schools can compete with. So what Matt Logan's doing at Corona Centennial is incredible, but to answer your question, I think if you got rid of modern day and St. John Bosco and you know, there's a off season. We'd see a lot of movement to who, who's a hot team right now. Um, just off the top of my head, like Bishop Alamein, he seems like they're on the rise. I'm not saying everyone go there, but they jump to the next great thing. I, I think because at private schools you're allowed to, you know, that's okay. And so someone would say, like Loyola, for example, I don't think they would say, okay, we'll take everyone. And we'll, we we want to win. Now that's not really what they're about as a, as a private school. And, we're seeing it's kind of hurting them. They're in Division Four for football, but some big school would say, "Okay, look, let's take in these guys, and there's an opportunity to be great. Let's let's take it." And uh, so, I think public schools might be not able to get into that mix anytime soon. But but if uh, there was a private opening because those two uh, went down for whatever reason, I think someone would would jump on it and start it. That would be in for a little bit. But there could be some fighting to determine who that would be. So that'd be interesting. Uh, but I, I don't see those guys stopping anytime soon, either of those teams. 
because I feel, I feel like, like that vacuum, vacuum like it, it's, it's not, not necessarily a power vacuum. Like, even, even if they did go away, the transfer rules still exist. Yeah. So it's kind of like, is this just the future now? Is this just like, or is this the beginning of something outrageous? Like, let's say a guy who's like a second string running back at XYZ's high school knows he can play, but is stuck behind a dude who transferred in and is going D1. Well, let's say he just transfers to a rival school. Yeah. And he played like, I, it's, it's weird. weird. Like, what, what have you seen, seen from like the parents and kind of the culture of like self promotion or like wanting to get the kid, always wanting to get the kids out there? Like, has it has it um, changed from let's say being on the East Coast and seeing obviously like you know, Syracuse, it's competitive, like D one program, but has the culture, has the mentality kind of changed? From coast to coast, or do you just see it as it's kind of like that across the board? Well, I think Florida, Texas, and California are just different beasts when it comes to high school football. And I don't want to speak on Texas. I don't know too much about the transfer situation over there. But I know Florida is kind of like the wild, wild west where kids come and go, and maybe they're playing baseball at this school, but then football season comes around there at this school. So I know it's crazy over there. I think having this much quantity uh, like they're having this quantity of great players the fact that there are so many great players all within a set geographic area breathe this and because in massachusetts I, I was talking to my mom the other day about transfers i uh would watch the high school football games i had three buddies who were all pretty good quarterbacks of course, you can only have one, so the coach went with one, and then the other buddy played linebacker, and the other guy played receiver. And when you're not going to be this D1 quarterback, you're okay with that. But here, if you don't win a job, people think, and sometimes it's true, sometimes it's not, but, oh, I'm not going to play here. Well, I'm good enough to be recruited. This is Southern California. You know, Let me puff up my chest. I'll go to this school. I'll check all these boxes, and I'll get recruited. I just need to play. Whereas... Where I'm from, if you don't get the quarterback job, you're still probably a pretty athletic kid. You'll go play receiver, and then your four years will be up, and you'll go on and go into be a businessman. <laughs> so I, I think when there is that much talent, it changes everything, which is why uh, I mentioned Florida, Texas, and then here. It's just crazy. It's just a total different ball game. Yeah, especially with that talent. Um, like coming up in last night, yeah. Justin Flo. Kids like it's weird. He's like a mixture of Patrick Willis and like picking an insanely fast linebacker in the NFL. Like just any one of them. Uh-huh. But like there's Patrick Willis to his game because I remember they hit in the playoffs last year. Uh, yeah, but I was like, someone's helmet broke. Was that a gunshot? Like how does how does like and he stayed at Elbling all four years? Yeah, which is great. Which is like insane, but that mass exodus of talent is kind of leaving the state. Because if you look at the Pac-12, oh, yeah. yeah, they're getting, they're getting. I think now more than ever, they're really honing in on like a lot of the local talent. But if you look at like some of the best players, they're leaving the state. Yeah, and look at. I mean, I mean look, look at this class. USC didn't make the top five for Flo. DJ Uyagalele is committed to Clemson. Um, 
Who, who are some other of those top, top guys? Well, Brew McCoy for last year was at Texas, but now he's back at USC. But he has a whole host of issues. But you're right. Yeah, but, but you're, you're absolutely right. Well, yeah, and he, he came back. He, he's an interesting guy in terms of just he loves being recruited <laughs> to, to enroll in Florida. And I know something happened there, so I don't want to make it sound like oh, yeah. that happened. He just transferred for no reason. But, yeah, but so many transfers. And he commits to Oregon. It's a transfer, so like, yeah, right, he's going, going there. But then, then he enrolls the USC. It's like, yeah, I was like, like wait, so, so technically, he sh- he should he was cleared. So I was like, okay, he can play this year. But technically, since he never went, he never technically signed with Oregon. I guess that's okay. I'm gonna pull up the uh, 2020 list of kids. And I know this is terrible radio. <laughs> they technically can't see it, so <laughs> that's true. Doesn't matter. Um, but, but yeah, so DJ, DJ like Justin, Justin not having USC in his top was, was huge. Yeah, it was uh, Miami, Georgia, Clemson, and Oregon, I think. Yeah, Oregon. Uh, Kendall, Kendall Milton, the great running back at Buchanan, Georgia. Clark Phillips, Ohio State. Jalen McMillan. So these guys are a little more north, but uh, he's Washington. Johnny Wilson is Oregon. So, I mean, it's Pac-12, but California's losing. A lot of guys. Um, I remember really, they let Michael Thomas get away. Yeah, fantastic. USC's cousin, or he's Keyshawn Johnson's nephew, and I guess USC didn't want to offer him. It's like, I think you, would, I don't know what's wrong with USC, but it's like, you're like, yeah, you're getting all this top talent, but it's not being developed. I think that's the, the gripe. I think high school coaches are getting smarter and way more hip, like letting kids know, like, go where you're going to be developed. Like, Washington is developing DBs. Like, they can get yeah. whoever they want. And here, here's my take on, on USC. I'm sure you're dying to hear it. But remember, Clay Helton was the interim coach. And then they made him the full-time coach. That is a recipe for disaster. You never want to bring in a guy who is an interim into that head coach. It just doesn't work. They're, the team might rally around him that season. That's a great story. But... History shows you bring in that guy, it doesn't work, and now we're seeing that. And then B, um, a guy who used to write for the Daily News who still does some stuff for him, Aaron Talegian, I don't know if you're familiar with him, he's in the San Gabriel Valley, he's a great Twitter follow, he's at uh, Chemical AT, and he tweeted out, and I totally agree with him, if Helton was fired today, who would, you know, what school would be breaking down the wall, breaking down the door, excuse me, to, to hire him. Whereas, you look at some other coaches, I think if Chip Kelly was fired, he still has some pretty big uh, weight to him because of what happened in Oregon. He's a name. He's someone you want. The Washington coach, it's the same thing. USC almost had him, but he was like, nah, I'll pass. Yeah, Mike Leach, Washington State, he's done so well. He's kind of made his way back a little bit. Herm Edwards, people thought he was going to... Fall on his face, but they, they make a bowl in those people. people. <laughs> they make a bowl their first year. And then look at the stats. Yeah, and Antonio Pierce is the best recruiter in the country for my money. Killing it. So having him is huge. But, like, I think all those coaches I listed, I would rather have than Helton. And this is USC we're talking about. One of the best programs in the history of the country. A program that under Pete Carroll dominated for a long, long time. It wasn't even close. Yeah. And... That, to me, plays a big part of things. If I'm a recruit, I'm going to want to play for a coach who, you know, like there's something sexy about him. I'm not really sure there's something sexy about Clay Helton. 
and it's, it's weird because I, I still say Urban Meyer's going to come out of retirement to coach USC. Like, I, I just have that in my gut. Like, it's going to happen. I hate Urban Meyer, but he's a damn good coach, and I think he certainly has that. But that's the only thing left. Yeah. That's the only thing left for him to do is, like, restore USC to greatness. And then somehow get USC to leverage pushback. Well, yeah, that's a disaster, too. But the whole Cliff Kingsbury situation was a disaster. How, how can you hire a guy and, and pitch recruits about this guy if there's even a chance? And they'll say, oh, we didn't know he was going to go to the NFL. But, you know, you can't. You can't have that be your big guy, and then he leaves three days later. That's a terrible. Like he knew. I think once he knew he got the USC heat, he's like, okay, I got California heat. Yeah. Let me test the waters real quick. He should say thank you to Sean McVay because it seems like the handsome young offensive coaches right now. If you can, you check those boxes. It doesn't matter what your track record is, you'll get a job. And then Gruden will be like, I grandfather all of them. Exactly. Uh, I, don't I don't know if you watch Hard Knocks, but I really worked with McVeigh when he was young. It's crazy. They, they told him they had the, like, the flashback pictures, how much they just made him do like, all that work. I'm like, man, that's crazy. Yeah. But if you look at um, look at the recruiting, I would say, I think it's just, like, look at a school like Clemson. Well, yeah, who doesn't want to go to them right now if you can? It's 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 kind of hard to say no to like my like even though like Tate Martell might end up switching receiver and he lost that whole QB battle and all that they got like four transfers they got Jalen Phillips they got tight end they got Martell like it's just weird how like West Coast teams are like everyone I feel like everyone with USC is capitalizing on all the the California talent well Martell went to Miami and he. Lost the job there, but are you, are you talking in terms of Clemson? Because right now they're certainly building yeah. the pipeline with DJ. Clemson's just they're going. Yeah. Alabama, uh, what's his name? Najee, Najee Harris. Yeah, he's like a fifth string running back. This freshman year, as a five star recruit, and like cats still keep going there. Um, Elias was Elias Ricks. Yeah, what time IMG. Well, he's LSU commit. Yeah, yeah. That's another thing. Like those out of state schools, like the the transfer process. People think it's crazy here. Everywhere else, though, like the southern states, it just seems like oh, this person was a military academy. This person went to IMG academy. This person went here. This person went there. And then they end up at, like these prep schools. But I think it, I think in a weird way, it kind of helps because a lot of the talent that was getting passed over that were like diamonds in the rough, they're kind of getting their due. I think so. Now. Yeah, for the for the smaller like them missing out, schools, Pac-12 schools missing out on the big time kids works out for a guy like Darian Butler, who's an Arizona State linebacker from Narbonne. ASU was his only Pac-12 offer, and now he's a sophomore captain. It works out for guys like that, but. People complain, like, everyone loves that story. You know, the, the guy who was overlooked, who goes on and does great things. Everyone loves that. But I'm sure USC and Arizona State fans and everyone in the Pac-12 would prefer to get these blue-chip guys who would really change things. Not that you won't find guys who will change things. And Darren Butler's a perfect example as an under-recruited, smaller, hype kind of player. But you talk to any recruiting specialist, any fan, really, to be a national title contender... You have to have consistent five-star and four-star players. Recruiting rankings, people say, oh, you know, stars don't matter. And maybe kid by kid they don't, but class by class they absolutely do because that's you need a good class to win a championship. Yeah. 
And as far as how you've kind of seen, I don't know if you've paid much attention to like the, like the Pop Warner youth football aspect of things. Not, Not as much, but I can. We'll see. We'll see where this goes. We'll see where this goes. It's sort of like they like, I got here. Inglewood Jets, yeah. Carson Coles. There's the IE Ducks, right? That's the team I always hear about. The England Empire Ducks, I think. Yeah, like Vince Staples, rapper, he went on like all Twitter. Yeah. Some about IE, like all the different youth football teams. And I was serious. Like, it, you say Inglewood Jets when I was coming up. And people were like, what? Hmm? Other people were like, yeah, I played for them. Like, it's weird. But then when I think of like schools like Dorsey, um, I remember Coach Carter you said like Dorsey had like 18 people 18, 18 people were a marching roster like Long Beach Poly at 28 I was like wait the Long Beach Poly like it's crazy to think all the talent in this one area and they're just like a lot of the inner city schools are just not kind of like Crenshaw they had it down here but I feel like they'll get back up it's just kind of weird to see this shift. Like how schools were just always good, like all of a sudden it's just it's bad. Yeah, what's happening at Dorsey and even Crenshaw to a degree is really sad. Crenshaw for basketball this year, they have a great group of hardworking kids, but they don't have any stars like they used to. And for football this year, I don't anticipate them to be that great. They maybe could win a Division One championship in the city, but they're not going to be an open division team, I don't think. And just what happened with Dorsey is... Also, sad, I mean, it looked like Charles Mincy was kind of keeping kids around. His son was great, but then he transferred uh, to a school in North Carolina when Mincy didn't take the job anymore. And there were some players on that team. Uh, but last year, they had one fringe D1 guy. It's just, it, it's sad because these were traditional powerhouses. You're absolutely right. And I think LAUSD has, has a little to blame because they're product is so bad like if you're growing up in that neighborhood you have a chance to go to a better school you know i i yeah i I jump at that opportunity and that has a lot to do with LAUSD opening too many schools in that area and just not being like because you need kids to go to make money and so if kids aren't going schools don't get as much money as they, they need and uh, so that's, you know, that's LAUSD's fault for opening too many schools in that area. And now we see Dorsey and Crenshaw really struggling. Yeah, and with that, because you actually, I saw you covered the strike. Yeah. And I feel like, how, how much do you think that uh, that kind of hurt the whole, all the schools? Yeah, I don't think it's good if, uh, you know, you're a parent and you got a middle schooler and, okay, I could go to this school where it seems like things are running nicely, or I could go to this school where all the teachers are on strike this week. What do you think the decision's going to be? You're going to decide to go somewhere else if you're on the fence. Of course, their parents, my son's going here, my daughter's going here, no matter what. But for people who are thinking, okay, maybe this, maybe that, the strike doesn't look good at all, so I think that hurts. And, I mean, there's a big battle with charter schools. A lot of LAUSD employees are frustrated with how charter schools operate because they can take the money and... and from the state and do whatever they want with it, and they kind of play by different rules. So, so that's the whole thing too. Um, so I think it. I mean, it didn't help. That's for sure. Even though they came to a deal and, and it's better now, it seems like it, it certainly couldn't have helped in terms of bringing in more students. Yeah, because I, I remember, and they're still trying to. Because the Senate of High School District, when I was there, like they were the, the whole board 
got fired. fired. Like the, the superintendent, he, you know, the Daily Breeze covered it. Um, I forget the guy's name, but the, our, the former superintendent when I was there embezzled millions of dollars. He's, and then he's using the money that he embezzled to pay for his case. And, like, I remember they cut track at Londo my sophomore year. And we had some guys who were good. Well, they cut the whole thing? Cut the whole track program. Wow. They didn't have any money. Then they brought it back. Now you look at Lawndale down the street. Look space age, all those buildings. Yeah, now they look like Little House on the Prairie. They had all the old buildings, the 700 buildings. Are all those buildings that used to be there that were around us in the 60s gone? Not space age. My sister went there in um, 2003. She graduated in 2007. And they had dirt fields there. That's how far I go back at Londo. They had the dirt fields. They were building the bleachers off. They weren't even done yet. And then when I get to Londale, freshman year, 2007, they, uh, Adrian Peterson showed up and did a commercial there. Like the whole Nike Spark thing, Listed the Demands, that was the song. And I remember, okay, well, you have to give the school some type of money for something like that. Adrian Peterson just showed up at your high school. And do that, like you get some money. Then junior year comes around, we keep finding we're selling out games, even though you know we weren't making the playoffs, but we had a really exciting team. Senior year comes, we're still selling out games, but we keep hearing that we're broke. And then you look at the school district, find that they're stealing all that money, and now that things are coming back around, and the whole district is better, all you see where all that money could have went, and it goes back to the kids and reinvested. Hawthorne made the playoffs last year. Losing here had a couple of down years, but they're coming back. Lionel's the only team in the history of South Bay to win the state title. You look at like the politics of schooling and how like education and how easily that can just disrupt a whole like ecosystem of athletes. It's kind of sad. Like the whole Dorsey situation. I know, like Lakewood was down for a while. Like, a lot of the Long Beach teams yeah. in the area, they were down for a minute. They're kind of coming back, and it's it's almost like they're burning the candle at both ends, like with LAUSD. It's like, yeah, you have all this talent. You're doing all this. Like, for Dorsey, they had Kelvin Thibodeau. He transferred, went to Oaks, uh, Oaks Christian? Yeah. Yeah. And then our blocker, I think he went to Dorsey and then transferred to Lawndale and had a monster senior year. Like, all this talent is there, and you have administrators and whoever else is making these decisions at the top, and only the kids are suffering. It's kind of sad. Yeah, that's the thing, too. LAUSD is so huge that there are always going to be a few bad apples in the sense that I don't want to accuse people of stealing money or something, but just people who are bad at their job. And so, you know, when you have so many people who are making these big decisions that are going to impact kids... Of course, stuff's going to go wrong down the line when you're that big and when you're as unorganized as they are. And I think we're kind of seeing the consequences of that with some of these inner-city schools, which is sad because in basketball, too, there's been a big exodus of talent to the section uh, inner-city basketball kids just in the last few weeks, too. So. Didn't the kid, didn't the kid uh, transfer? He's transferring to Sierra Canyon for basketball. But like, the school he left was really good. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, that's, that's a private-to-private, private, but that's Zaire Williams from Notre Dame, Sherman Oaks, right? Yeah, yeah. And I guess maybe there was some disagreement with his coach, that's, and I don't want to speculate, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I thought I saw that, and if that's wrong, I apologize, but I think that had to do with uh, with that. 
And it's, so, so do you feel like, like is, is it worse on the basketball front than the football front? Or I, think, I, I think it's well, basketball is a little smaller, and it's still pretty bad. But I think football has to be the worst just because there's the number, and they're just football is eleven versus five, so there's more impact kids. And so I think uh, we're seeing it on a bigger scale in football, but basketball is right behind it too. But it's because I mean, because there is so there is so much craziness at the top. Do you think that in a way kind of creates some parity? Because like a school like Lawndale going all the way like they did last year. Like, they beat Sierra Canyon week one. Yeah. And Sierra Canyon lost their state title game. But they were a whole division ahead of Yeah, there. correct. So, so do you feel like that is starting to create more parity? Like, the bottom is starting to catch up to the middle, at least? I think there are some fascinating mid-level high school sports, you know, games and competitions going on. And that's, you know, the top is what's going to happen at the top, and the bottom is ugly. But in the middle, I think, is awesome. So, like, La Habra Upland is, is great for, for high school football. That's two public schools who are really, really talented, and they battled out last night. Upland's Division One, but, like, La Habra is everything, in my opinion, that's right about high school sports. They have a coach who's been there forever. It's a, it's a public school who last, last night a lot of fans traveled, but you go to a home game there, it's sold out. There's excitement. They're doing it right. And I, I think Lawndale fits into that category. That Division three Southern Section Division is, is loaded. Uh, Bishop Alameda's private school, but, but they're in there. Corona Telmar is a fantastic public school, and it's the same way with them. I think in those middle divisions, uh, and it's looking more towards the top, like Division three, four, five. That's where, especially in the Southern section, you're seeing a lot of good and a lot of teams doing things uh, the right way, in my opinion, which is why I love covering uh, those games. It's always an experience. It's not these crazy, crazy blowouts for the most part. Uh, it's competitive, and uh, that's I enjoy watching that unfold. So what games are you covering tonight? Sure. Tonight, after going on a big spiel of how <laughs> I... Uh, you know, a lot of those uh, smaller divisions tonight will be at modern day for uh, the current centennial game. And that's just such a huge game, two semifinalists from a year ago. And uh, they're starting a year against each other. It's rare to, it's like a college football, you know, one of those huge games to start the year. It, it compares to that perfectly. Um, like, imagine if Alabama opened up against Ohio State. That's how I'd look at it. Because, yeah, exactly. So, they, you know, it's not St. John Bosco. Uh, for modern day, that would be like Alabama-Georgia in the same conference. No, it's someone out of the conference, but still very good. And uh, it's going to be a good one tonight. So I'll be there, and I'm going to Bosco on Saturday. Bosco's playing Damatha. But I, don't, I think after that, I probably won't catch modern day or St. John Bosco probably until they play each other because it's a lot of out-of-state. And uh, if it's an in-state team for uh, one of those teams, then it won't be very competitive. So it's a good chance to see those teams early, kind of see how they stack up, let them play their out-of-state national schedules and focus on some other teams in the coming weeks. Fantastic, fantastic. And as far as, uh, like, the playoff kind of layout, uh-huh. how have you well, – what, like, what do you see might – what matchups do you see could potentially kind of break down in the new playoff format? Sure. So I like how – I mean, I mean, the coaches hate how everyone makes the playoffs, but I like how the Division One pool is 24 teams, but only eight make it. I, I, I like that, because Eric would rail against that last year. Those first-round Division One Southern Section playoff games were just not competitive. So 
that will hopefully eliminate that. Of course, modern day Saint John Bosco are going to be doing their own thing, but when you you look at maybe the three six game, the four five game, those are going to be really competitive, awesome smash mouth football games, which would be great. And I, I like that. And I think Division Two is great because, of course, we're in this era where everyone gets a trophy. I get it, but those teams wouldn't have had any chance to win, and they're still really good programs. Let's at least give them a shot, and that's what the seven section has done. So I like that. The city section still has to kind of figure that out a little bit, how we're going to deal with Narbonne. They're in a lot of hot water right now, so who knows what's going to happen with them. But uh, it's tough when you just have one really good team because you know, there's only really so much you can do. So they went to a four-team open division. You get one good matchup, but then whoever plays Narbonne would be great. So... Um, I, I do like that format, and Rob Wygott told me if uh, the numbers indicate that there are four teams who are just beating the crap out of everyone down the line, so if someone, maybe say like a Mission Viejo, Chad Johnson, builds them into some fantastic program uh, down the line, and we're looking at modern day St. John Bosco, Corona Centennial, and then Mission Viejo as these four powers that no one else is even close to, then maybe they'll start doing four-team playoffs for uh, Division One. So I, I like how they're forward-thinking, and I think this year's move is good, and it might change in the future. I like what's going on. I like that both sections are having conversations about how to do it, because a lot of times it's, we're doing this, Division One, 16 teams, here, this is how the format's always been, we're not going to make any changes. It's great that these guys are being proactive. Fantastic, fantastic. Because I don't know, like, I think about, like, an Arbonne finally playing a Mondeo, yeah, that's when I was there last year. That was a good game. And I'm like, more of these local teams should play each other. Like, why doesn't the Long Beach probably? Like, Sarah's right down the street from Mondale, but just won't play him. Like, Clark felt like, yeah. I'd pr- he said, he said I would probably, like, knowing me, I would play Mondale if I was Sarah's coach. But I understand why. He's trying to maintain the program. He's trying to, like, you don't want to just go into a game knowing it's going to be a dog fight when you don't have to schedule it. And you can prep your kids. Because, I mean, they canceled... Uh, I think Sarah canceled the scrimmage. A couple of schools canceled the scrimmage. just because, like, yo, we want to protect kids, numbers, all that. So, as far as uh, anything else you want to share? No, I think uh, this has been great. Sarah does play Narbonne, so at least that's yeah. been a game in the last few years. Uh, but you're right, it would be nice if the teams that weren't in... Uh, leagues that would play each other every year would start playing each other who are from the same geographic area. So it's like, it's cool when Oaks Christian plays Shamanad, even though that game won't be too, too competitive. But uh, it's nice when, you know, teams aren't afraid and they'll battle it out to a geographic rival, even though if you lose, it means you might lose some kids down the line. Yeah, definitely. But thank you for coming on. I appreciate you. Oh, no, thank you. This has been awesome. Go ahead. Literally... We would have been on the air sooner, but I, that stupid gate in the front, it took forever it's okay. to unlock that lock. And I had the combination. I was so mad. I was like, it's like, it was probably a good 30 minutes. I was just like, okay, nope, not working. And then you turned it sideways and it popped and I was like, wow. I just jiggled a little bit. That was the key. I, I got lucky, man. It's crazy, though. It's that's how it goes. Go ahead, um, give out your social, social medias, anywhere they can find you. Any more uh, information on, you know, Scorebook Live? Sure. So I think I gave the Scorebook Live spiel earlier. So I'm Connor Morissette. Uh, in case you didn't know who I was this whole time. And my Twitter, I'm at C underscore Morissette. Everything's double, double R, double S, double T. 
Uh, we do some stuff on Instagram at Scorebook Live, but uh, Twitter and uh, our site, scorebooklive.com slash California, is the best spot to check out our stuff. Fantastic. Thank you. And because this is Touchdowns and Tennis and we do talk football, pro football, at all levels, and I am a Raiders fan, and you are a Patriots fan, I have to ask, what's the record? What do you think? Not the Raiders record. That's too depressing. Uh Okay, okay, calm down. You're a Panthers fan, and camps hurt. Uh, shout out to Keith. But what what's the what's the Patriots' record looking like? You're nervous about the offensive line. Like, how how you feeling? I their defense looks great in the preseason, which is awesome. Better from where they've been in years past. So I'm really happy about the defense. You know, Tom Brady's getting a little older, and the receiving core. There's some questions there, but Demarius Thomas just came off the PUP list. Julian Edelman's back. They drafted uh, Nikhil Harry with that first-round pick. So I'm going to sound like a spoiled Patriots fan again, but, I mean, it's Super Bowl or bust again for them, and I think really 14-2, and 13-3 and three is a possibility. Their schedule is not that hard. <laughs> Especially with the Dolphins. I don't know what the Dolphins are doing. They're just a mess. Yeah. I like Brian Flores, but, yeah, there are some decisions he's made. It's like, huh? Thank you, situations. I don't know. You play fantasy football? Of course. I got my draft uh, for one of my big leagues coming up on Sunday. Okay, cool. If they're available, what what pick do you have? I have a crappy pick. I think there are twelve teams in the league. I have like nine or ten. I oh got. god, yeah. never mind. I was gonna say, <laughs> I was like Christian McCaffrey maybe, because that dude. If it's a PPR league, you're getting you're getting mad points. Yeah, Him, Kamara was my first pick. Okay, yeah, he'll he'll have a great year again, for sure. Is he the number one running back this year? Uh, Kamara. Yeah, I think he might be. He nah Saquon. Oh, oh, yeah. It's Saquon and then Gurley, everyone else. And then, okay, I forgot. Gurley, Gurley, because of the knee. Yeah, and, and, and he had a bad end of the year, so he's kind of a risk. But, yeah, you're right. I forgot about Saquon. Yeah, that's crazy, though. Man. But, anyway, thank you for coming on. Appreciate you, everybody. Uh, the Good News Radio Showcase will be September 14th, if you didn't know. You can go on the Good News uh, Instagram bio and go to Eventbrite, get the tickets. It's only 150 seats available, so get them while you can. Going to be like all the show personalities there. Can't wait to see you. Connor Morissette, thanks for coming on. This will be heard next Thursday, so like the 29th. That's when it's going to drop. Um, shout out to Pete. I was going to insult him, but it's kind of I'll, I'll just save that for the group chat. But anyway, Y'all have a great day. Are you tired of the same old sports media? Are you tired of hot takes, arguments, and questions that are just completely off base? Hopefully, we have something for you. Touchdowns and tangents. Yo, 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 yo. Are we back? Oh, wow. That was... I heard that. That was terrible. We're back. Whatever that double up just happened was. Ooh, I'll do it again. Oh, yeah. But uh, that was an interview with Connor Morissette. Um, for some of y'all, if it doubled up at the end, sorry about that. The entire podcast. Well, I really hope that wasn't the entire podcast. Cause I'm gonna Me to, too. I'm going to have to release the audio separately. Yeah, man. Whatever. Be like that. It's like that. And it's always when you run the boards. Ironic. Nah, don't blame me for that. I won't. But it kind of is your fault. But anyway. Yeah, man. So. Hope y'all learned a lot about CIF football. 
um, transfers, private schools and public schools and how they can operate and how they're allowed to operate in those ranks. Um, I, can I talk about the interview since, you know, yeah. it was my first time hearing it? Yeah, tell us what you think. Yeah, man, so... I, what I really liked about the whole entire interview was I really liked, obviously, because I'm a journalism nerd, but I really liked how he kind of brought that fourth wall down. And he was kind of talking about, he was talking about his sources, one, two. He was talking about things that, like, you know, he didn't necessarily understand or wasn't aware of. So, like, I really appreciate that. You know, he definitely gained a lot of credibility with me. But in terms of actual content, the transfer stuff was cool, but I think... The best stuff was when he was really kind of talking about scoreboard and talking about, you know, this is where we're at. This is where we started at. This is where we're at right now. This is where we want to be. This is our vision. And it's really cool because when you think about it, like, why are they going to have live stats? I don't know. Probably fantasy or... Betting or or just whatever. Like a lot of high school teams, like I'm still trying to find scores for some games. I can't find them because you don't have a journalist or somebody. Well, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, yeah, definitely. That's that's definitely a reason. But I'm just saying, big picture. Like, there's definitely, there's definitely people betting on football at all levels. There, there is power in owning that data and learning how to take that data and pushing that data out in lifetime. So I I think that's pretty cool. And then, yeah, you know, him talking about just the different kind of like, oh, the bottom of the league is different than the bottom of the league is the bottom of the league. And it's kind of ugly. The top is always the top. And it's like, yeah, it's great, but it's the top. But the middle is like the real value, like those middle teams that battle each other every year, do it the right way, like. You know, that's what I enjoy about high school football, too. So it was cool to hear him kind of share that and just kind of going into his come up and how he came up and talking about, you know, him really kind of understanding his role and where he wanted to be and where he what he wanted to do and what he didn't want to do. Again, just kind of that fourth wall. I really like that part of it for me. But overall, it was a really great conversation. You know, what about IE football? I mean, he didn't talk a lot about it, but I know I, he, he he talked about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Lot, he was advocating IE football. He was on IE. Like I've talked talked to Coach Clark about you know football and where he feels like the South Bay is the mecca of high school football as far as talent. You played in the IE. You played with a bunch of known name guys, known name guys. Catch with Arizona State. What do you think about the balance of power? And for his high school football, the IE, what are you saying? You coached at I Birmingham. Think, I think Orange County has always been the has always been the Gold Cup, just in terms of resources. In terms of like, they've 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 been at that next level for so much for so long. And even though you know, like we were talking about during the interview, even though they're not like where they were like even ten years ago. That's always still going to be there. So, for me, the OC has always been the king. And then after that, it's the Southern section, which is a collection of the IE through the South Bay, through the Valley. But between all those, I mean, if you're talking about, like, 
Talent, yeah, for sure, the IE, but IE is also much like faster area. So you know what I'm saying? Like the South Bay is only like a 25 mile radius. Like the Valley is only a 25 mile radius. Like the IE is like a hundred mile radius. So, you're so saying it's like, yeah, it should be better because there's so few for people in between. Just everything so just, spread out just, compared just to the, here where everything's kind of packed on in on that. The that and also just the fact that there's like it's more spread out. There's more space to you know develop as a football player. There's a lot of you know people that come from the LA and move out there because it's cheaper because the schools are better. So, I mean the IE is. Let, let me get this. Let me tell you, as someone who lives in the IE, the IE only exists. You live in the South Bay, technically. As someone who's lived in the IE for most of my life, the only reason why the IE exists is because there's something going for it. Like, nobody wants to live in the IE. <laughs> but the IE has a lot of shit in the pro column that just slowly start to add up, especially as you get older and get more kids. Like what? I'll put it to you like that. Like name name some of those things. Like cheaper housing, cheaper gas, cheaper food. Uh, you know, more grocery stores and convenience stores, better parking situations. You know, bigger yards. All the above. You know, there's still. Especially, I mean, even out here, man, it's like you drive through the suburbs and the suburbs here are either like really, really nice or like really falling apart. And now they're trying to like transition that into apartment buildings like in the IE, the IE is still relatively new that it's like even the old ones are even the old suburbs are still somewhat nice just because they may not have as many miles on them and. The new stuff is brand new, like new, new, and it's not unattainable new. It's like, okay, do I want to, do I want a $500,000, you know, 30 year old house in East LA or Montebello or do I want to, or even the South Bay? Like, yeah, I'm closer to the beach, but do I want that or do I want to go and get that same $500,000 house brand new? You know, six bedrooms instead of three, you know, in the three be- bedroom. Yeah. In the desert or in the mountains or in a ravine or in a valley or somewhere hot and hot adjacent. But still. So the IE, like I say, is always going to have appeal, especially for family people. And and because just of the sheer, sheer value of it, it's proximity to both L.A. and the O.C., and even Vegas, really. So, but yeah, man. On that note, is there anything else you want to say about the interview that you did? No, uh, that's one of the greatest buttons ever invented in the history of sound. That's just because pizza hater, pizza hater. But yeah, you know, the more you know. But no, I, I think a lot of people. Who played in all these different sections that you know we talked about, i.e., South Bay. Like, like my thing is, there's like I, I had I kind of set this off the air to you, but I was like, is Long Beach a part of the South Bay? Technically, it is. 
But it's not. I say no. It's really you not. Say Long no. Beach, you Long say Beach no. is its own thing. You and and I've I've argued with this. The five uh, six I've two argued, even said it. I've Twitter. argued this to you before. But as far but as how the South, South Bay, Bay people only claim Long Beach when it's when convenient. The, exactly. Like when they're talking to LA people, they'll be like, "Yeah, Long Beach is South Bay." But when they're talking to someone from Long Beach, they'll be like, "No, you guys are your own thing." It's like yeah, they only really like to claim North Long Beach. Let's just be honest. Like that. That's my. That's the thing. So it's like you look at where everybody. But was, is it North like, no Long was, Beach? Like who Bellflower? Was so John- is Bellflower the South Bay? Yeah, that's my point. It's not really. It's separated. <laughs> it's closer to Compton. It, they're they're Compton a street apart. So it's Compton to South Bay. The, that's the weird part. Certain parts are close to each other, but they don't touch. They don't mess with each other. Carson is Carson, but once you I get feel past like Carson, I feel like Carson is like the South Bay cut off. That's that's the interesting part. So it's like who was repping uh, St. John Bosco ten fifteen years ago? Nobody. Everybody was repping Long Beach, probably right. And now look at St. And now look at St. John Bosco. When they had Jaleel Wadu, when they had Josh Rosen, Xavier Suofilo, uh, I think Jordan, not Jordan last year, but they had a bunch of guys on that team, and a lot of them have made it to the league. And a lot of them stay in the Pac-12. So it's like, it's interesting to see how those demographics totally changed from when we were in high school to right now, and where it's shifting. And like, some things have stayed the same, and some things have changed. So yeah, it was a really insightful conversation, and shout out to Connor Morissette. Yeah, shout out to Connor. Thanks for coming on. Even though he is a Patriots fan. <laughs> I can't even hate Patriots, the Patriots anymore, because they just keep winning. Like, yeah, facts. I, I, I can't hate you if you just keep, like, no one stop. Like, I put a, it was a meme on Touchdowns and Tangents Instagram a couple days ago. Uh, I blame the underscore Fal- Tangents. Yep. I blame the Falcons for this. All I right, blame man. the Falcons. So, on that note, let's get to pro football. Yeah. The topic of the week Andrew Luck, man Retiring Then having somebody Retiring on a Saturday Pretty much damn near mid-game After a preseason game Yeah, man I've actually wanted to get on Anchor all week And really talk about this very specific issue Like, I was really burning on it all week And I really wanted to get it out Okay, Jim So, do you want me to go first? You go first Okay Here's my thing about Andrew fucking Luck. Wow. So we're just going to throw the... Okay. And this is no disrespect to Andrew Luck. Which means disrespect is about to come. Anytime someone says no disrespect. At all. Honestly. this No, like genuinely, like if you end up... I feel like he's going to end up in the AFC West. If you say no disrespect and then say but, that negates everything. He's going to end up... Trying to return for either the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Broncos, or the Raiders. I could see any of those four teams trying to get him. That Broncos thing would be disgusting, but is that not some I don't John would do? I think he's done. I think he's done. Bro, play with a lacerated. Didn't kidney. we all learn the, all the John Elway's had. beef with the Colts? <laughs> John Elway has some full on beef with the Colts. Like lifetime beef Ursa, with the Colts. Ursay might have took his girl, bro. Not even his wife. His the side girl he really, really loved. That's totally different, though. That's a different um, ownership group. I know, but still, <laughs> it's like when you inherit beef, like. Believe me, you of all people have inherited a lot of beef in your life. 
<laughs> you know it. Inherited beef is like, <laughs> yeah. Rule number one: don't inherit other people's beefs. But sometimes when you inherit a beef, okay, you gotta go in. You gotta eat. Shout out to Robbie. But yeah, so I want to get that bullshit off. But now here's what I really wanted to say all fucking week. You can keep swearing. And I've been saying this shit on Twitter at P Certified. He's at Also Grande. Shout out to FPC Radio. Shout out to the X Squad affiliates. Shout out to everyone who listens to us. Shout out to my boy Max who was texting me during the interview. Yeah, shout out to Max, man. Yeah. We can't say anything about the live post show, but yeah. Anyways. Just, why are you always dry snitching on everything, bro? Anyways. Damn, son. Anyways. So, Andrew Luck, bro. This dude retires... It got leaked from Adam Scheffner just doing his job, but that's another Somebody issue. who told Scheffner might have leaked it. It's another issue. But Andrew Luck, the retirement announcement comes out. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all the national media was like, listen, if Andrew Luck doesn't want to go through the grind of coming back, then that's okay. Like, it's his talent to walk away with. Like, oh, fans got to get over themselves. He has to do the best for his family and his body, and he, he's willing to do that, and blah, blah, blah. Bruh, where the fuck was this thinking with Ricky Williams? You mean, uh... Wait, 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 hold pleasantries on. Pleasantries and, you know, mercy? Where the fuck was this shit with Calvin Johnson, who's still beefing with the Lions over a million dollars? And they let him keep his 34 million... $24 million that he's technically owes to pay the team back. They let the Colts let him keep that. And Andrew Luck is a Stanford man with business and philanthropy and comes from a NFL pedigree. Wealthy, rich-ass family. Yeah. Oh, His dad played quarterback in the NFL. Was a, was someone a who will be well Ver- off without, without, without ever playing quarterback, even if he didn't get the settlement, whatever. He'd be good off. He'd be a Investor or tech guy somewhere, whatever, whatever he would do, he he would do it well. That's like I said, no disrespect to Andrew Luck. It's nothing on him. He's a great person, obviously. He's a great quarterback. I agree, it's his talent. He should be able to walk away. But this fucking media sympathy that Andrew Luck is getting, and it's like you couldn't give that to Ricky Williams, who was like really. Did Andrew Luck ever fail a drug test? Ricky Williams, who's like literally renowned now, is like one of the most sensitive, thought out, media sensitive, like football players ever. And he couldn't get the benefit of the doubt, but Andrew Luck gets the benefit of the doubt, huh? Andrew Luck is from Andrew Luck went to Stanford. You don't think he ever blew tree before? Are you really trying to like die on this? Hill? Oh, but Gronk gets a pass too. And what is Gronk pushing now? A CBD drink. Okay. I, I mean, I but it's cool. If I was on the, the okay. Gronk hypocrite train, I know, from, I from know. And again, this this has, this isn't even anything to do with Gronk or Andrew Luck. It's just the whole fucking perception of it. Because he's white. Like, oh yeah, we're making double standards. Like, okay, if Ricky Williams quits and goes promotes a CBD drink, then it's oh you quit. Football, you gave up a dream, you wasted your talent, blah, blah, blah. Andrew Luck was in his, what, sixth year? Why is it that we can tell black athletes like Calvin Johnson and Ricky Williams that their talents are going to waste, and then we tell Gronk and Andrew Luck, well, hey, 
they're still going to be great and successful at whatever they do. And it's their decision to walk away. Like, what the? That's so fucking backwards to me. Like, that's absolutely backwards to me. It doesn't. Racist? It's fucking stupid. Like, it's just retarded. Like, it's dumb. Like, it's dumb. Joe Thomas gets a pass. Like, the list goes on. Like, Chris Borland's a hero. Wow. I, I forgot that name. Like, but yeah. No one, no one knocked him for it. But also, and, and it's like, you got to look at when those guys retired. He Andrew retired two weeks and before not, the season and started. And I'm not saying it's a Ricky fo- Williams didn't do that. And look, and actually, yeah, to your point, Ricky Williams didn't do that. He didn't quit on. He didn't quit two weeks before the season after the draft, after free agency, and decide, you know what, I don't want to play anymore because one, y'all failed me. Y'all couldn't protect me. I took. He took like the most hits in the NFL by like 150 hits. That was like the he's like around seven. That's what I'm almost. saying. Like I get it, Andrew Luck. Like I get it, bro. Like he said, I'm only three years away from not not playing. Like, and he was already talking about retiring when he was coming back from that shoulder injury and couldn't throw tennis balls. So like I get it. I'm not mad at Andrew Luck. And he's hurt. He said he he was hurt, feeling worse now than when the first injury first happened. Yeah, I'm mad at all these fucking clowns, man. It's really it's really really corny, and it's like okay. Like cool, when you know. Well, what? Who when, 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 when Rashard, when Rashard Menhall and you know, what was it? Was it Ziggy Hood? Who was the D lineman from the Steelers that retired early? Uh, I forget his name, but Ziggy Hood was still playing. The other one, he might have been. He might have been before, either before or after Ziggy Hood. Um, uh, uh, damn it, I know his name. But yeah, he retired too, and it was like, oh, okay, like you Rick guys Kiesel? are whatever. No, it wasn't Kiesel. Kiesel played forever. That's true. But it's Aaron like, Smith was it Aaron Smith? No, I feel like it was Aaron Smith. No, it wasn't. It wasn't an old guy. It was he was he was barely getting his second contract. He was going to get paid, and he was like, "I'm done." It definitely wasn't Ziggy Hood because he played for a couple different teams. But yeah, so it's like it's okay when you know the average black athlete wants to walk away, but like the great ones, it's like, oh no, you literally can't do anything else. Why would you do that? But it's like the great white athletes doing it's like, well, shit, if you're great at this, you can be great at anything else, too. It's like, it's fucking backwards. And further, the second part of my outrage with this whole fucking week has been everybody on social media fucking talking about this booing. That booing was trash. Bro, first of all... They're horrible people for booing. I don't care. I do not care. I do not care. Why don't you not care? Because if Andrew Luck is dumb enough to wait there to the end of the game, he's asking to get booed. First of all. Second of all, those people who waited that long to the end of a fourth quarter of a preseason game to boo, like, honestly, you earned your boo. Like, sitting there watching that trash-ass game just to boo... Like, fine, you earned the boo. But lastly, that boo says more about them than it does about Andrew Luck. Right? Which everyone agrees, yeah. Yeah, so exactly. So why the fuck are we commenting on it? We got to stop acting like, oh, this athlete code, this ethnic code, this integrity code applies to regular old Joe Schmo who buys a nosebleed ticket at a, at a sports game. 
Because the reality of the situation is not all the teams are on the coastal states. Not all the teams, not all 80,000 people in those stands have played sports. Like, we got to stop acting like the code applies to everybody else. Like, But shouldn't it, though? Like, you're, you're I, mad. I'm, I'm not, I'm you not picked them on your fantasy team, so you want to act like a little bitch because you retired? Well, I'm going to just give some backstory real quick. I remember when I played football my junior year, shattered and destroyed my foot and ankle, tried to come back. Like, coach was like, you okay? I was like, yeah. I wasn't. I lied. Um, and I think they partially knew it, too. That's why they didn't put me out there like that. Um, I had to, like, sign waivers with doctors so I could play again. So if anything happened to me and I got injured again, and I kind of did, but I just said fucking and wrote it out, um, they couldn't sue. Like, I couldn't sue them. Like, I understand what it's like to be injured and your body is just not working. And you just want to give up. I, bro, I, I totally understand I, I hear, that. I hear everything you're saying. So I can't fault that man for I hear doing everything. what was best for him. But those fans are pieces of shit because let's say they let's say they decided to quit their job or retire, and then all their coworkers boo them. They'd be like, "What the fuck?" I, I would gave die my best fucking years. laughing. <laughs> I would fucking <laughs> laugh. I would if if I if I got fired, no, or you quit. Quit, quit if your I job. Quit and everyone just started booing me. I would fucking die laughing, bro. <laughs> I would fucking laugh hysterically. Not everyone is a soul. And I would might want to stay after that. I'd be like, you know what? Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I am a culture fit here. (laughs) Wow. Like, bro, it's just fucking booing. Everybody who boos isn't a fucking barstool listener. Holy shit. Wow. We got to calm down. We got to calm the fuck down. Because listen up. If it were Cam Newton who did exactly what Andrew Luck was doing. He would get killed forever. Would anybody talk about the people booing him? No. Don't nobody Nobody would. Everyone would be like, oh, ha, ha. Cam Newton got booed out of Carolina. That's a very good LOL. point. LOL. That's a very good point. Maybe he shouldn't have retired two weeks into the training camp. So, like, we got to be. We got to stop being so fucking sensitive. But, like, it's not even just that. Like, Fox sensitive. Like, okay, we're only sensitive. You mean foul sensitive? Whatever, yeah. You know I can't say that word. You don't actually pronounce the X. Yeah, I know. I still do. At this point, it's my stitch. So, just fucking rock with it. Don't you mean niche? Whatever. How do you get words wrong so bad and you work at PR? Whatever. Whatever, okay? How? How did you make it this far? (laughs) Does Pete, have a ghost, does Pete have a ghost? That's why you could never have a podcast with some New York dude. And you would just be correcting him. Me? No, actually, uh, the homie Corey, we had a podcast, and that shit was dope. Yeah, but Corey don't talk like a New York dude. He's from Jersey, but he swears he's from New York. But, but dog, I get it. You say you're from Brooklyn, and he want to fight me when I say, yeah, but you're from Jersey. <laughs> I'm not from Jersey, you little bitch. <laughs> like, don't try to raise your voice. You sound like Michael Jackson when you yell. But yeah. So yeah, man, I, I'm just over this whole Andrew Luck situation. Like, let him ride off into the sunset and just leave it be. If fans want to boo, honestly, that's their fucking right. I don't really care. Andrew, you think Andrew Luck cares? That man has so much money, so much opportunity, so much female at his 
Fingertips he's, he's with married. or without he, football? He's married. He's so married what man. does that mean? He's a married man. What does that mean? Hey, Pete, some of he's us a are professional lo- athlete. Some of us are loyal to the women in our lives, okay? That doesn't Relax. mean that he doesn't have girls in his DMs. That's irrelevant. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So he has it at his fingertips. I didn't say he was taking it. I didn't say he was asking for it, but what I'm saying You're not is wrong. He he this world is for sure his oyster, and I'm not gonna feel bad for him because some, a bunch of low lights were booing him. Like, cause I know he he does not feel bad about it. That's a fair. That's a very fair point. By the way, Utah is beating the living shit out of BYU right now. Shout out to Jordan Wilmore, former Mondo running back, current Utah running back. Um, Zach Moss is gonna be nice when he gets to the league. But um, yeah, they have like three pick sixes in this game. This shit is wild. It's like thirty to six. Anything else you want to say about Andrew Luck? I'm just going to say this. Everyone who booed is a piece of shit. And if that happened at your job, one, the rest of us wouldn't care because it's not like you're that important. And two, everyone who took Andrew Luck in fantasy is mad that um, he retired. Like, get a fucking life, you loser. Like, seriously, get a life. There's other... You know how easy it is in fantasy football to get a good quarterback? It's actually relatively easy. Like at one point Matt I had Matt Ryan um and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady was a fucking free agent. Like, let's talk about it. So pick a quarterback who's playing and stop acting like a little bitch. Alright, man. Well since we're over time, like the only other real thing I feel like we really have to talk about Larry Johnson. You want to talk about Larry Johnson, bro. You're literally the only person who cares. So go ahead and talk Ryan about Russell? fucking Larry Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> like who dropped? Okay, fine. What's bro, you dropped Larry Johnson in three group chats that I'm in, and nobody care, bro. <laughs> like, uh, <someone. laughs> two. You're literally the only person. Who cares. You're like, literally not, the only person who cares about he's Larry spazzing Johnson. out on Twitter. Like he's just spazzing out on Twitter. You're always on, on Larry Rose. Johnson. Watch you always. He always spazzes out. You're literally the only one who cares. I'm gonna lose his time on like y'all don't think this is a problem. Okay, bet. You weren't even like I the think fourth, you just you just you like, the like the Chiefs fourth, fans. You weren't even like the fourth best like Chiefs running back in the past ten years. But okay. All right, man. So yeah, Ryan Russell. Uh, f- I guess he's a free agent now. I think he played at Purdue when he was a fifth round pick. He's also played for the Cowboys and Buccaneers. Um, he penned so a I letter. Can't make a booty joke. Nah. Or he, a cowgirls joke. Nope. So, yeah, he penned a letter basically saying that um, coming out as bisexual, you know, saying his mission is to live as an open gay man. And also his other goal is to, to play football, play football. So Which I don't know what being gay has to do with you taking on a block and getting to the quarterback. But if you feel I mean, it's part of his identity and becoming who he is and wants to be. Bro, bro, so. Did anyone ask him that? Did anyone ask him when he was a fifth round pick? Are you gay? Probably, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Bro, like, There's a good chance somebody asked him. It's so, the NFL combine. <laughs> we never know, but like, that's the combine. They always ask weird ass questions and probe you and do weird shit to you. But it's. But it, I'm saying, like, but, you think once he got to those teams, he got cut from all those teams. That the reason he got cut was he was gay, even though he didn't tell anybody he was. I mean, he didn't tell anybody he was bisexual. I mean, that's what the Vikings punter alleged. No, that was for uh, wait, Cluey. Yeah, he did that again. I thought he did that for Sam. Um, Michael Sam. 
Oh uh, no! I thought he did that for himself. Or whatever. He, did, he did that for Michael. He talked about the Michael Sam situation, but Michael Sam couldn't play. Like even though he was a great college player, like bro ran like a four nine, was weak as fuck, was undersized, couldn't play base defensive end, couldn't be an edge rusher. He literally had no position at the NFL level, and got washed out. So like when people say Michael Sam got blackballed, no, he didn't. He wasn't good enough to play. Like bro, there's like I played with a gay dude in high school. Like. On the team Like he was Everybody knew he was gay Nobody gave a shit Like no one cared Bro like I think it's an outside thing Like Inside Yeah if one dude came out And said he was gay And made it a whole public thing I think it's more for all the kids Who feel like him When he was young And are like confused And like Oh I like to do masculine ass shit But I (sighs) Bro I'm so tired of people Using sexuality As like To To Garner sympathy Like no one comes- I don't think he was Trying to garner sympathy so I think you- he I think he was trying to Be an inspiration To other people like him to make and just because, a big deal And just because when, The message you know Fell short on you Doesn't mean it Fell okay. short on other people no, Who might need no, to hear The message it. don't need to hit me Because the message Wasn't for me Exactly But so, I'm saying in general So when why, people, why like, are let's you say concerned He's about not it? gay And it's something else Like it could be anything else He He's like He was born with a third nipple I don't give a fuck Whatever Like Why do you need to tell people shit That has nothing to do With your job requirements because it's a big like he deal. Made, he, Culturally, he packaged it with football. He's only the but second like no player one was to come talking, out. No it's one a big would, deal. No one was talking about this dude before today until he said he was gay or bisexual. I'm sorry, sorry. Excuse me, ignorance. Bisexual. Were you talking about Ryan Russell before today? Fuck no. Okay then. So it, clearly, there's shit doing football because he wasn't good enough to make it in the league. Shout out to Brinkston Buckner. Oakland Raiders D-line coach Saying some of y'all Honestly Just bullshitting yourselves Like I love you as a person But I hate your football Your football sucks Maybe that was him Like not everybody Is gonna make it In in football bro It's different Like if it was the corporate world Where no one really cares About the sexuality like that I don't know what you're saying You're just being problematic So I'm I'm not being problematic But I'm I'm saying Like okay Michael Sam you know what? Let's say, like, again, bro. Uh, all pro player came out and said they were gay. That would make like, a bigger difference than some dude who was, who's an NFL washout coming okay, out. Okay, but is that's that, good for him? Okay, but is that does that but, dude exist? We don't know. No, he definitely exists. There's we, bad gay dudes that play in the NFL. We, They're just we, never going to come out. We don't know. It was a former NFL player years we ago. Don't he know. came out on ESPN and he said, bro, there's gay dudes in the locker room. We They're just not going to come out and say it because it's not beneficial to them. And That's like, a fucking lie. You know, you know how much money a gay all pro would make. Do you think there are no gay dudes? In the Do NFL? you know how much money an openly gay dude would make as an all pro? Sure about a that. A fucking shit ton of bro, money, bro. The NFL bro. can't handle. Do you realize how it women? Do you realize? Do you the, think it's ready to have that? Discussion? Do you realize the LGBTQ community has a trillion dollar spending power, and, and they travel? Do you want and to talk about affluent? Who? And, and they're mostly white, and but, they have insurance. Okay, and they don't, and they buy cars. That's that's a fucking advertiser's you, dream. Okay, so that's why an that, advertiser's why dream. Why hasn't it happened yet? Then because there hasn't been a player for someone that they can relate to. So no, that they can what market. I'm saying, that they can exactly. market. So not relate to because you can relate to plenty of players. Clearly, people couldn't relate to Andrew Luck. Do you know? Do you know what a market tired. is? Do you know what a market I is? Understand what a market is? Obviously, you don't because a market is 
is how you push something out. But the people who receive it the are receiving it because they relate to it. So it's a two-way relationship. It's not just like, what oh, you push it on people. Like People have to still receive it and relate to it who know, and act on it. I think it's certain dudes who know if they came out as gay on the current team that they're on, shit will go south. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying the culture in the NFL locker rooms and all these GMs, these team owners... They say they're okay with it, but and I really all, don't think they I, are. And I, they I, can't even handle Kaepernick taking a with fucking you. knee. I agree you're telling with me you. they're going to be sensitive to I agree man. with you. But that's what I'm also saying is we don't get to that point to where that All-Pro could feel comfortable until we get to the point of these sorry dudes doing Or maybe the All-Pro thinks it's none so, of the fucking business if I'm gay or not. You can't stop me in my position. So why the fuck do you need to know about my sexuality? I'm not even going to share that part of my life with you. That's why it's WNBA but you're, players you're don't also, be, it's WNBA you're also, players you're don't also be known for just them. for being lesbians. But that's the problem too, is because you're speaking for them I'm and not you're not even for them. I'm you're just, not even of that demographic. I'm speculating and you're speaking on to them. a. I'm just speaking to a exactly, point bro. That exists. Exactly though, but that you like don't know. People don't. But you don't know because okay. that person's not out. That okay. person's not open. So okay, it's like, take, uh, so how can you speak on it and speculate if you're not from there and you don't know them? So it's like. That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm I didn't want to have this conversation in the beginning because it's bro, stupid. They're professional athletes who are straight who and you don't know who their wife or husband is. But I, when it comes to just gay, straight, bisexual, whatever, some people think that's none of your fucking business. So they're Which never going fine. to come out and say that's all Which I'm saying. Which is fine, but but what I but don't that's not what and, you're saying. That's bro, not what you're saying. I'm telling you're you, you're saying that there would be no benefit at all to them, and I'm telling you, being the only there one, is benefits. So, how, so you tell me there's no gay people in the NFL right now? None. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know any, bro. I'm not going to speculate. I don't know them. I mean, yeah, there probably is. I would say yes. I'm not going to pretend like straight people assume. are like the yes. dominant norm everywhere. No, they're not. That's what I'm definitely saying. Definitely not. Yeah, no. So definitely don't, not. Don't sit up here and think like, you know what? There are probably a couple gay dudes. But that's the other league. thing. The reason why I'm not making that leap is because. But I don't think some people are ready just, to make that leap either and come out. That's why it's not. It's not. Cool to just say, okay, this dude is the stand. But what I'm saying he's is, he's not even on a team. What I'm saying so that is, doesn't help se- the cause. sexuality is a spectrum. So it's like, I'm not that arguing. person. That person might not even. I'm not that person the might, of that. That person might not want to define themselves as as that. That's what I'm saying. Even though they have sex with the same sex. But I'm saying I'm not defining whether it is or it isn't. I'm defining whether they. But think what I'm telling you business, is, and if people, if they want someone to market that for them, if they want someone and what to I'm telling promote you them is, and push them as the next big figure, you're not and, in that person's head. It's and not what right I'm telling you that. is, what I'm telling you is, yeah. Some people live private lives. What I'm telling you is, yeah, I'm agreeing with you. Nobody's fucking disagreeing with you. And that's all. All that's I'm saying hard is hard stop for me after that. All I'm saying is there might be somebody, but they're not going to do it if they don't have support, one. Two, they might not do it because they might not actually define as that, even though they are into the same sex. You literally. three, like you're saying, they don't want to be marketed. Four, they don't want to get targeted. Like, we can go on with all the reasons why they wouldn't do it. That's all I'm saying. So that's what I'm saying. That's why we're talking about it when somebody does, even if it's at a fucking low level, because there's all these reasons why they shouldn't. Why they don't need to. This dude, no one was talking about him. 
before. But that's what today. I'm saying, bro. It's like you and can't. He's probably not going to get back like, in the league. But that's what I'm saying, anyway. bro. Is you can't just be like, oh, there's nobody who's doing this. There's nobody who's talking about it. And then when it happens, you're like, oh, it doesn't really matter. He's it's not like, in bro. the league, bro. Like I talked about Michael Sam because he was in the it league. And he could have made a roster. Like, Michael okay. Sam could have made a roster, but I was like, well, he didn't. So that's the end of that. Yeah, first openly gay player. Probably somebody else, but. Anyways, man, so yeah. the last thing I want to talk about was the recent trend, and Ray brought, out this, uh, brought this up in the FPC chat, Checking but the, table the recent trend of teams essentially trading for players at the end of depth charts, and even really in the middle of the depth charts for draft picks instead of just cutting them out right. Then we've also even had... The Patriots are kings of that, by the way. We've also had like trade rumors surfacing, you know, talks about Clowney going to the Dolphins. He was talking to their head Fired coaches. His agent. And then Tunsil, the Dolphins were rumored to be trading, shopping him. Yo, Trent I'm, Williams is still on the block or not on the block, depending D'Angelo, on if you ask Ellen. And D'Angelo Gordon's still trying to get traded. Yeah, D'Angelo Williams uh, talked to Trent Williams. No, D'Angelo, yeah, D'Angelo Williams, the corner. No, D'Angelo Hall, my bad. Yeah, I was going to say. I kept saying the running back's name. D'Angelo Hall, who was teammates with Trent Williams for eight years, said there's no way Trent is showing up. And honestly, the Redskins should just trade him. They should just be smart and just trade him because clearly your medical staff is a farce. Um, Like, bro, you tell me I you misdiagnosed me and I had a tumor and you didn't tell me I'm never playing for you again. I can't trust you. Like, they should just trade him. Give up, two, give up two first round picks and just move on. Chargers? He's not going to the Chargers. Why not? Because they suck. No, they don't. They don't suck, but they're they're not like they're a playoff contender. Why don't they made this AFC title game? Why would I trade it's more than the Redskins? My franchise left tackle in another division to a team that could win a Super Bowl and is gonna give me a low first round pick. But that's the that's, that's why stupid. that's why we haven't been seeing trades. I would be like, like Cleveland, what you got? That's why we don't see trades a lot in the NFL because the NFL is really fucking petty and they don't want players to come back and hurt them at the end of the season. So it's like, and honestly, with the way the percentage of draft picks in the NFL specifically, you're honestly better off just keeping proven players. But you know, people don't want to talk about that because people like to play the lottery. Because the Packers, they keep proving players. And you see, they just keep pumping out receivers. Shout out to Chad Johnson crying on Twitter saying Devontae Adams sent him a route running. And he was like, it was the most beautiful shot I've ever seen. And Chad Johnson knows a thing or two. Or Shout out to Fresno State. But yeah, KB, so let's close it out with the Rams. You go first. I really want to go first, but all right. Um, yeah, man. College football's back. UCLA got their ass kicked by Cincinnati again, two years in a row. First last year, uh, oh, weird. It's a connection lost. That's interesting. This is probably gonna be split into two shows again. Damn it. Anyway, so yeah, when it comes down to it, UCLA lost. Got the doors blown off. Some people, Lee Corso said Utah is gonna make the Final Four for the playoff. Utah looks really good. They uh beating the hell out of BYU right now. So, who knows? Um I think it's just times like like this time 
high school football starting, college football starting back up. It's just important to remember one thing. Um, it's okay if you slang Popeyes and um, Chick Fil A sandwiches at your cookout. I mean, people sell shirts, people sell merch, people sell necklaces, like people sell barter all types of shit at cookouts and tailgates. Not really cookouts, but mostly tailgates. So do what you got to do. I'm going to look the other way, but I'm going to be waiting for um, the hot links on the grill because I don't necessarily need either one of those sandwiches. I'm going to wait for, like, and if you bring potato salad, it better be good. Shit better not be trash. Uh, Pete also said that um, one of the greatest songs ever by Frankie Beverly and Mays, um, he actually had the audacity to say, that it was a trash song, and I'm just gonna need him to apologize. You said it was a trash tailgate song, yeah. and it's not a trash tailgate song because you can literally play that song boring. anywhere. You know, you said it was boring. He Pete said that before I let go was a boring song. He said it's a boring song in general, and has the audacity to say that he's cool with black people. Um. No, yeah, but you are cool with a lot of black people. I never say that, though. Nobody who's cool with black people said that. Uh, well, clearly, you probably do, because you said, Frank, you said Before I Let Go was a boring song. Like, you have black relatives, bro. Like, how how do they let you get away with saying dumb shit like this? Are you done? Yeah, I'm pretty much done. Uh, God bless all y'all. Have a great week. Pete's Trash first take, by the way. Before I Let Go is one of the greatest songs ever made. He didn't want to get faded out this week. <laughs> but yeah, man, on that note, I don't really have a lot to say other than enjoy the Labor Day weekend. If you're listening to this, you know, on the weekend, if not, hope you enjoyed your Labor Day weekend and go ahead and go to touchdownsandtangents.com. Check out all of our content. We're going to have more content coming up. Just keep growing. Keep getting better. And speaking of that, if you didn't get the chance to watch the Travis Scott documentary, you should definitely watch it. Now, I myself at first was a little skeptical just because, you know, Travis over the past year hasn't gotten the best rep, especially since doing the Super Bowl. But not to mention, you know, He's married to a, a Card- Kardashian, uh, or he's fucking with he's Car he's Kardashian adjacent. No, he has a daughter. Like, yeah, he's Kardashian adjacent. In there, in there. And he's Kanye adjacent. So again, problematic. Is he still Kanye adjacent? So all that combined, you know, Netflix cloud. It's kind of like, uh, do I want to watch this? Is it just going to be some nasty cloud chasing that shit? And to be honest, I wasn't really going to watch it, but I was bored, and I was like, uh, let me check it out. The first probably about 15 minutes was fucking amazing, honestly. Like, just the background music he used using the original tracks from Days Before Rodeo, you know, showing con- concert footage from the rodeos he used to perform and from all these small venues where he came up, where people would just literally rush the stage when he'd tell, like, security, hey, security, you know, Travis Scott fans don't kick get kicked out, and he'd literally take kids getting kicked out and bring them on stage, or like 
you know, just seeing all these people jump the fences in VIP and Travis is like, hey, security, don't stop them. Like, honestly, man, I really cried only only because it gave me the exact opposite of whatever PTSD is. And it just like took me back to a much happier time, much simpler time, you know, just enjoying my friends, enjoying some great music, just jumping around, being stupid, getting crazy. Letting some adrenaline flow, some maybe some toxic masculinity if it was a season. But just seeing that and realizing like how many great, like really lifelong memories and friends I've made thanks to Travis Scott's performances and music. And that just kind of hit me and I was just like, wow. And then really seeing his process, because it's really about his ascension from like somebody, you know, who's known as a producer and live actor live performer to really a superstar and so it really focuses on him building World, him having a baby him doing the super bowl him not winning a grammy him winning a grammy like those big life events but seeing him kind of maintain his process throughout that like you know listening to tracks in the car driving or driving through houston or you know, hot boxing with Mike Dean and producers and listening to it, or, you know, just listening to tracks and listening to features and just bouncing around like the kids at a show, like seeing him cut albums on just a laptop or putting his head under a blanket so he can get better sound, like just in a home studio, like seeing those parts of his process is like, like, okay, like, he hasn't switched up too much. Like he's still there. And then also seeing him try to use his platform to really speak to kids, to really speak to Houston, you know, an area that's been devastated by a lot of natural disasters and poverty and politics and all that sort of stuff. And big oil and big ag. But yeah, just seeing him try to be someone that can bring the Houston community together. I mean, just seeing Paul wall on there calling, calling him, Calling Travis his big bro now. Like, he was like, I was his big bro before, but now he's my big bro. And just seeing that, man, it just kind of goes down to exactly what this podcast is like. It's like, you know, sometimes you just have to do it and build it. And even if it's weird and people don't get it at first or whatever, if they do get it and they do love it, you just keep doing it either way and keep doing it your way. And eventually, like, It'll happen. You just have to keep being consistent and keep going at it. Because as crazy and as, you know, unique as Travis's music might sound, it's like he's really changed a lot of shit in music culture. Like beyond people just taking his sound, like, you know, he even talked about it. Like he's changed people's BPMs. You know, he's changed melodies. He's. He's influenced a lot of shit. And it's like, this dude literally was six years old rapping. Like, this dude was in the high school group with some other white dude. Like, this dude been working for a minute. And just to see him really hit that, it's like, how could I not root for Astro World? How could I not root for Travis Scott? Even as problematic as he might be, and even if it might be my standum, or even if it might be propaganda, Either way, man, it still made me feel good to be a Travis Scott fan just to see his art and see the artist behind it all. So, yeah, man, watch that. Look, Mama, I Can Fly. Check it out. Netflix.
Definitely worth the show. You actually weren't muted. Oh, I'm pretty sure I was. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. You were just turned down. Thanks for that. But yeah, man. So shout out to the Good News Radio Station. Check out the showcase September fourteenth. Shout your out tickets. to X Squad affiliates. Shout out to FPC Radio. Shout out to your favorite podcast app where you can find this. We're way over time, so we're out. We got a loaded show for you next week. Make sure you tune in. It'll be a and Kobe shot the Lakers out of the finals against the Pistons. It'll be an AFC NFC West preview week one. Serious, you're not gonna want to miss it, regardless of who your team is. You can get some great info. So, peace. Peace. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.